1: welcome to the nebraska hawk nest these guys are brave
0: they're hawkeyes living in enemy territory
1: listen these guys are way past their point but they're still hawkeyes
0: they're spreading the hawkeye height to all of nebraska the
1: Frost Advisory is cancelled! Corn Huskers, more like corn suppers. Are you ready for this podcast? Welcome back to Nebraska Hawks Nest. I am joined today by the one, the only, Hawkeye legend, Pat Angerer. How's it going, man?
0: It's going good, brother. How you doing, man? I appreciate your patience with me trying to get my dumb ass signed up onto this thing. I appreciate it.
1: Technology, it's awesome when it works, and then sometimes it's a more of a pain in the ass than it's worth. So, I I completely, I completely feel you. Um, I just wanted to first touch base uh, with everybody here. Uh, Wanted to know what's Pat up to these days, where where you're living, and what you're doing for work, and how's the family doing?
0: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm back in the Quad Cities, growing that north back. And we live in Davenport. Um, I do mortgages, which I never in a million years thought I'd be doing ever. Um, I got three kids, got a nine year old, a six year old and a three year old, um, two boys and a girl. And um, yeah, pretty much just uh, driving around to practices and tournaments and games and picking up from school and everywhere. It's uh, it's pretty nuts. It's pretty nuts
1: the beat on the streets you're pretty humble about your intelligence and how good you are at your job but the real deal of it all is you kick the shit out of it and you're awesome at it uh tell us a little bit about that cuz that's that's the vibe we keep getting we keep hearing that you're getting to be one of the best in the business at what you do
0: i you know i don't know about that uh it's been you know since about uh obviously since the rates dropped back in march last march it's been it's been pretty insane. Um, so it's, uh, I don't feel like, I am I feel like my brain's mush after this whole year of just complete madness in the mortgage business. Um, rates have dropped. It's been, it's just been nuts. And I assume probably every lender probably feels like that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's fine. I mean, I, have a, I, I work at a great place. I work at IH Mississippi Valley like Credit Union. Um, I uh, got a good boss, got got good coworkers. Uh, I work right where I grew up, but so um, I'm, I'm pretty lucky and fortunate. And I got, I got a lot of people that are a lot smarter than me that, uh, that can read that helped me out quite a bit.
1: See, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. You just play like you're not great at it, but then I read an article that somebody wrote about you, how you take your professional job today, like you did as a football player, and you're just relentlessly good at it. So, Um, that, that's cool to hear. You always like to hear, you know, former Hawkeye greats being successful once they're done with football and sounds like things are going pretty damn good for you right now. So, um, like to hear that, but we want to talk a little bit about your upbringing as a child. Um, it sounds like that you had a goal of, um, a future in the military at a young age, uh, with some family influence from that. Um, what, what were your thoughts on uh, potentially joining the military and was that really your main goal?
0: Yeah, I mean, and honestly, in my opinion, I thought that was my only option. Um, you know, I grew up in North. my dad worked real hard, worked at Alcoa, an aluminum factory, um, you know, for 30 plus years, we didn't have a lot of money growing up, I'm, I'm one of five. Um, so, you know, my, my dad worked a lot. Uh, we had everything that we that we needed. Um, but nobody in my family ever graduated from college. So I just, you know, to me, that just wasn't I don't know. It just wasn't a thing. It wasn't even, I didn't think about it. Um, my, uh, my brother, Nate served in the Marines. My dad was an army vet. Um, so I just kind of thought that, you know, that was, that's what I would do after high school. Never, ever imagined ever in a million years, um, I would go to college (laughs) ever.
1: Your uh, your story in high school is eer- eerily similar, except you ended up being a lot more successful than, uh, than, I, than I was in, in sports. Um, you weren't really the best student in high school. You weren't really focused from what I've read and what I've heard. Um, mm-hmm. You were just kind of skating through, um, having a good time, waiting until you got out. And, you know, you were planning on joining the military. And then you really got the opportunity um, that uh, college scouts were taking a look at you and you're like, heck, this football thing might be a valid option. And you really kicked it into gear after that. Uh, Tell us about, you know, where you, when you got that realization where you're like, man, I actually want to go to college and have a chance to play football and trying to turn that academic situation around.
0: Yeah, it was, uh, we actually, gosh, I think it was like third or fourth game, maybe my um, junior year, and my coach Matt Drinkle came up to me and he was like, Dude, you had 20 tackles last night. I'm like, I did. He's like, Yeah, like you should probably fucking try to play <laughs> like in college. And so I was like, Let's go because he played at Iowa. He's a he's a current coach, uh, he's he currently coaches at Army, but, but uh, so he, he was back. He played at Iowa, he's helping out. So he's like, Here, you know, this is how the recruiting process works. I'm gonna go check your trans- transcripts, see where your class rank is, all that shit. Um, so we went to the counselor's um, office the next day. I was like, "Fucking, I don't know." There was like ten kids that were worse than me, in GPA. So, like, I literally had to like retake, retake fucking everything and and kind of get my shit together. And we we you know we sat with the um, you know with counselors and everybody and made like a game plan. Like, this is the class you have to retake. This is what you have to take now. Um, and it was you know it, it's it was embarrassing. Um, at the time, you know you're supposed to be this big, tough linebacker. Supposed to be really cool, and you're fucking taking, you know, freshman math because you decided not to show up when you were a freshman. Um, so yeah, it's um, you know, and, and that, that taught me a valuable lesson: take care of things right away because you're going to pay for it down the road. Um, and yeah, and that and that was that kind of opened up, you know, started getting recruited and all that stuff. And um, it was a, it was an interesting realization because really never. Like, like we talked about, never imagined I would ever be in that position. Didn't have any money. I was never going to go to college. Military was it, and then all of a sudden, you know, I mean, you think about it. At fourteen, you're, you know, you're you're not going to college, and at fucking eighteen, you got a full ride. It's it's life is crazy.
1: What was it like during your recruiting process, talking to the different coaches? And they obviously had to be aware of the GPA situation. Um, from what I read too, you, you bumped it up quite a bit, like up into like the mid two point level or something like that. Um, with the schools that re- were recruiting you, w- did they have conversations with you about your, your academic progress and any, any worries about whether you could make it at the college level academically?
0: Um, not really. I mean, I think it was more because you have to pass the, as you have to pass through the NCAA clearinghouse. And I think at the GPA I got, I had to get like a certain ACT. So I was just basically going to take the ACTs until I got it. Luckily, I was able to, to get it on the first try. So there was really never that conversation. Um, it was basically like, hey, you're going to get qualified, you're going to figure it out and and all that.
1: Uh, during, during your recruitment process, uh, tell me a little bit about the schools that were really hot on you and after you and, uh, what made you eventually decide to go with the university of Iowa? Uh,
0: the, the initial school that that recruited me pretty much the hardest would be Iowa state and, uh, coach McCartney and coach Ash was, uh, um, I think he was a D coordinator there. I want to say, um, but actually really liked them. They were super nice, super cool, super, um, they liked me. they I don't know why, but they did. Um, and, uh, you know, then you know, Illinois and – not Illinois, but Indiana and Northern Illinois started – you know, they, they gave me an offer. and I never um, – I never wanted to go there, so it really wasn't a deal. And then I offered, and it's like, well, fuck, they're really good. They have Coach Doyle, Coach Ferentz. Like, it's the best opportunity for me. Um, yeah, I would have been stupid not to take it, and I'm glad I did. <laughs> I'm glad I did. Oh,
1: we're sure as so hell glad you did too. Ended up being one of the <laughs> – best Haw- hawk hockey defensive players in the last 20 25 years so uh, it was uh it worked out for everybody i think um <laughs> Mentioning Coach Doyle too, wanted to ask you a little bit about. Um, you know, it's pretty well known you you guys had a good relationship uh, while you were at the University of Iowa, and you know, a lot of people you either thrive in that in that weight lifting program, that strength and conditioning program, or you you struggle. And you definitely were one of the ones that thrived and um, really loved the teaching and the coaching and the motivation from Coach Doyle. Uh, tell us about you know we had the things that went on um, last summer that were you know, uh, some issues with former players that um, felt like Coach Doyle wasn't necessarily the best to them. And then, you know, you had a lot of players that felt like, hey, like Coach Doyle, it's the Iowa way. You know, he has it for everybody. There's no special treatment. This is how it is. And there's no different rules for anyone in particular. Uh, what were your thoughts on on that whole situation and how that transpired?
0: Um, You know, I – I wanted I went to Iowa basically you know coach Doyle was a huge reason and and I knew that um he was going to give me the best opportunity to have the most success and literally, if you know they say you know, in Iowa coach Ferens, coach doyle you know they say, hey, you know, do these things, you're gonna be successful and and i and I fucking did them. and I was successful, you know i mean i don't know i i like I like accountability, I like um I like working hard and uh, you know, coach Doyle probably helped me out more and um, my Iowa queer, career than any coach. And um, he helped me more after my career than any Iowa coach. Uh, we call him a lot when, you know, I call him a lot with questions on life on being a parent, just on random things. Um, you know, when, when Greenwood was going through his, his stuff, we called him and, and he got us in the weight room and, he help train Brett. We'd call him and say, Hey, we, you know, we need to get up there. Brett's having a tough time. Uh, we need to get up there and get a workout and go say, come up this day, clear, clear to schedule for two to three hours would help, help Brett work out. I mean, how many, how many college coaches are still training? they still training guys after they're done playing. Um, that aren't really in the NFL. You know, I mean, it's, he, um, he definitely uh, uh, is, it was an important and an important person in, in my life and, and as, a, as an I/O player and in my life after, and was a huge um, help in, in getting Brett um, Greenwood going.
1: Um, I thought it was really interesting that um, leading up to before any of that ever happened, that, you know, one of the guys that said that his life was A living hell from that. Akron Wadley had numerous tweets and all kinds of stuff that came out that was like, I love the University of Iowa. I love my time there. I love the fans. Like This is such a great place and taking pictures, being a fan at Kinnick and everything like that. And then when all this stuff went down, all of a sudden the story completely changed and it was something completely different. Now we talked to a lot of former players that felt their opinion was, well, with Akron, he was very, very talented, but um, wasn't necessarily doing the right things on and off the field. So, um, I don't, I don't know. Did you, did you have any thoughts on how that transpired with Akram at all? I don't,
0: I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know Akram at all. Um, I have no idea. Um, I mean, you know, I, I, I look at my career and, you know, the first couple of years at Iowa, um, I always worked hard, but when I wasn't on campus, I, I wasn't an Iowa football player. I was just a regular fucking dude. Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't doing things the right way. And, you know, there were conversations like I got, I got told and, you know, like I, you know, I, I was definitely held accountable. Um, and it wasn't until I looked in the mirror and realized, Hey, I put myself in these positions. It wasn't until then to when I achieved success. So that, I mean, that's, that's my story. You know, that's, that's my experience. I would fucking do anything to play one more snap of Iowa football. Um, I miss it every single day. Um, and you know, without coach Doyle, coach Ferentz, coach Parker, um, coach Wilson, I don't play in the NFL. Do you,
1: do you see any sort of, uh, coaching in your career down the line?
0: Um, so I coached at, uh, I coached at for a couple of years, really enjoyed it. I uh, really liked kids. Kids worked, kids worked really hard. Actually was able to coach Griffin little, uh, for a little bit. Granted, he was D line. Um, I was linebackers, but, uh, uh, tough kid. Um, I'm mean, you know my kids are young and and coaching is is basically you know it's a it's a it's a selfless selfless job and I just I want to be around my kids I want to my kids you know when I want to get them playing that's I I train I train young kids and loved it loved being around them but I was I was training other other people's children and I wasn't being around mine and I just felt like I was being selfish and um, yeah I want to be around my kids and I want to I want to train them. I want to, um, you know, teach them not to do the dumb shit that I did, you know, not to run around blocks, not to be an asshole, you know, <laughs> teach them to do that stuff. Um, and uh, I don't know. They won't listen to me, though. But, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I just I, – I would love to. I, I really would. I really would love to be a coach. But it, it might be down the road when my kids are older. I say, you know, I want to be around my kids well, they want to be around me. In about five years, they're not going to give a fuck. Uh, yeah, what I say or where I'm at, but I'll, I'll, I want to be around them while they want me to be around them.
1: Uh, I think that's a great perspective to have because once you have that, you know that time's gone with them, then it's gone forever, and you're able to have the rest of your life to get into coaching, especially once they get up into the high school level So, I, I could totally yeah. see where you're coming from on that, but I think you'd be and, one hell of and a and defensive I say that. coach.
0: Oh shit! You know, when I say that, and I'm going to walk inside and tell them to get the fuck away from me when they when they're, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> I'm going to bet you their ass like go inside but um yeah man it's uh i i, I would like to um not know it's just uh it's a great sport and um yeah I, I, the, the hard part is what is when you're done like you, you're done and your whole life you're a part of a team you're a part of a group of guys that care about you that love you and and your your schedule is your friend. You go to the bathroom at this time, you eat at this time, you do this, you do that at this time, you tackle that guy, you read, you know, you study this film, and then all of a sudden you're just done and you're just a guy you're just fucking selling mortgages. You know, <laughs> it's like, what the hell, man? Um, so I, yeah, I, I, be around a team, being around a group of guys like that, um, it would benefit me probably more than it would the players.
1: Yeah, well hey, man, you're not always gonna be just a guy to us. You're always gonna be pet anger, man. So you always remember that. That's that's a pretty badass thing to be in my book. Um, walk us through a little bit about that two thousand nine season, that really special season. We um we had Ricky Stanzi on a few weeks ago, and he really got in depth on that and he gave the majority of the credit to the defense he's like if we didn't have the defense that we had we would not be in the situation that we were in um especially in that Michigan State game but that last second uh touchdown pass that slant to Marvin McNutt um his whole description of that game was we couldn't get it going we just couldn't get it going and if it wasn't for the defense then we wouldn't have been even been able to position to win that game it was all them um tell us about the progression of that season, how fun it was to be on that team and then capping it off with such a memorable bowl victory.
0: Uh, Yeah. I mean, we, we just had a, a really good group of guys, like just, just a solid group of dudes that uh, like Iowa football was the most important thing to us. And like that, when you have that, like that's hard to beat. Uh, and we fucking like, we, we were bought in. And we were we were a bunch of assholes too, but like we were going to show up at time, show up on time, and do things right. Um, it was just a, it was a great group. It it really was, and um, you know I don't think like I think we knew we were good, but I don't think we really knew we were that good. Um, probably until we we beat Penn State um, out there. Um, but like it was it was just it, it was it felt good like lining up like well shit look I got Claiborne over there and Clug and. And Ballard, and um, you know, if they get tired, Mike Daniels is going to come in. Like I'm really going to get blocked. Okay, this is pretty fucking nice, um, you know. And, and linebackers Jeremiah, you know, our our corners, our safeties, like we had some fucking guys. Like it was, it was a good feeling knowing that no one was good. Like no one was going to do anything to us. And then oh, wow. if they did, we had Stanzik.
1: Which is which is nice to have. We gave him a lot of crap. We're like, dude, why every game did you have to throw a pick six before you would start like scoring? And he was like, I don't know. He's like, I just had to get it out of the way, I guess. And he would uh, – <laughs> it was like he did it every damn game. And then after that, it was like, okay, now we go. It's, ta- it's when he time would do to go. it,
0: We would be like, all right, sweet. Now we know we're going to win. Like he would yeah. be like, all right, perfect. Like we'll almost be like cheering, like, oh, thank God. Now we know we're
1: going to win. That's awesome that you said that because, like, we're diehard Hawkeye fans. We're saying the same shit when we're watching. We're like, okay, thank God we got that out of the way. We spotted them. <laughs> point. Now we're going to kick some ass because the defense was so stout, like, during that time. What was it like preparing for Georgia Tech in that option offense? Um, you guys had about a month to set up for that. You got Coach Parker uh, at the helm. I mean, you guys just did a great job against them. How difficult was to prepare for that?
0: Honestly, you know, with the game plan that Coach Park put together, it, it it was just so simple. Um they didn't do I mean they didn't really do a lot of stuff. It was all simple. It was all basically I mean, you know, that 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 option is the same basically the same play just one way or the other. Um they had a different couple different variations to it, but um it was it was it was just so simplified and we with all that time that we had and um our scouting was, was amazing throughout the whole month. Um and you know when you have the D line that we had, like, okay, <laughs> it's pretty, you know, Claiborne and uh, Claiborne had about seven thousand tackles that game. which definitely helped. Um, but honestly, I, I, from like the first series, like I knew we were gonna win. Um, you know, especially watching the film too, like they had no third and long option. Like they the guy couldn't throw. Um, so you know, stop them two times, like they're, you know, they're pretty much fucked.
1: That's that that was great. That's you know as a, as a fan watching too, we've kind of felt like you know as the game progressed like even within the first half it's like you just had a feeling we had their number and we had it figured out and that you guys on defense just the way you were moving to the ball and the way you were on it it's just it seemed like it was just going to happen for us. Um tell me about what the transition was like moving into the NFL, the speed of play, the different players you got to play with and on that Indianapolis Colts team. Quite a few Hawkeyes on there, which was pretty awesome. Had a lot of Iowa people following the Colts during that time. What was that transition like, and how much quicker is that NFL game than the college?
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely a lot quicker. You know, in college, be like, oh, you know, these two or three guys, you know, on offense are not very good, and they felt like everybody's pretty fucking good. Um, So it was, uh, it was definitely, definitely a lot faster. Um, You know. I it, it was a little bit different you know The Tampa 2 stuff that we were playing initially in my first couple of years at Indy, uh was, was quite a bit different than than at Iowa. You know, we are doing a lot of spot dropping as far as matching. Um and then we kind of switched um you know the next couple of years to a to a three four, which is which was also a little bit different as well. Um but uh no, it was the, the stuff that you learn from the coaches at Iowa easily translates to the NFL. I mean, you know, study the film, um read your playbook, show up on time, work your own stuff, and you're pretty much going to be okay. Um, and, yeah, having the Iowa guys, having Dallas and, and Mitch was there and uh, Seth was there and he was there for, for a little bit. And um, I'm probably missing somebody, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was good. It was a great organization. Um, when you have Peyton Manning and, and Andrew Luck as well, it uh, definitely makes it easy.
1: How how connected are you to the Colts still? Do you do you ever do anything you know with the franchise ever anymore, or is the the pro game kind of like once you're done, you're kind of disconnected?
0: Yeah, I mean, and it it might be you know, obviously it might depend on how long you play and what you do. Um, yeah, you know, I played there for four years, and and I'm not trying to sing bad about Colts, but yeah, I I haven't had any conversations with anybody since I I've, I've been done playing. Um, I think the only person that that you know really keeps in touch would would be the the actual the strength coach there, um that that used to be there um but uh yeah honestly literally no conversations at all with anybody from the organization
1: um yeah well maybe maybe that'll change someday you never know but uh one thing that's been Eh, you never know. Who knows? But um the you'll still be connected at the Hawkeyes no matter what. So we're always gonna show you love, Pat. Um with uh the whole jump of uh Pat McAfee getting you know really big. And I always like it when he says, you know, I'm betting on myself, F it, like I'm done playing football, I'm <laughs> sick of it, you know. Um, it's been mm-hmm. fun to watch you on his show. Tell us about your relationship with Pat and um how how fun that's been to be able to uh, make some appearances on his show.
0: Yeah, Pat, Pat's a good dude. Um, you know, everybody always talks about, like, you know, kickers and punters being weird, but in my opinion, like, they're always the most fucking normal. Um, they – they none of them have any eos, you know. And, and um, you know, Pat was – you know, when I came in as a rookie, I knew I was going to have to play all special teams, um, which I did. And, and, you know, I was the personal protector, so basically I was the one that called the cadence and everything during the time, so – I had to, you know, meet with Pat a lot and get him on, you know, and we would go over, you know, we talk about stuff. And um, he, that dude is just fucking hilarious. He's just, and he's funnier when he doesn't have a camera or microphone in front of him. Like the dude is, the dude is funny and he's super smart and he works his ass off. Um, yeah, and I mean, we had a great. I mean, you look at the other the kicker, we had Anna Venetario, who's the greatest of all time. Um, so it's pretty, uh, it was quite the group we had there uh, as specialists. And Justin Snow, you know, Justin Snow is the. 100, 100 fucking years
1: uh, So yeah I was
0: very lucky Had a, had a really good group of guys from.
1: I don't want to put you on the spot But you have to have some good stories Being in the locker room And practice with those guys Like you and Pat McAfee You know guys like that around There had to have been some shenanigans I know Pat's talked about a lot of the shit He pulled when he was there And I I would be shocked If you guys didn't have anything
0: um nothing that I don't think would um be appropriate but
1: um yeah, everything's you know, I mean, appropriate.
0: <laughs> right. No, you know, those those guys were uh those guys are definitely good guys. And we had a good time for sure. But also too like you know I we pretty much too like you know when we cuz back Pat was Pat was a uh a year older than me. Um you know and you know when we were young like we really didn't like we shut up. Like we didn't really say anything. I mean, we wanted to earn that. Um, you know, we were on a team with with uh, you know Reggie Wayne, like in T- Peyton Manning, uh, Dwight Freeney, Robert Mathis, and Bussel. Like, who the hell are we to to you know joke around and mess around? And um, you know, especially too, like you know our second year we went or my second year we went like two and fourteen. So it's, there's not a lot of uh, laughing and joking around and messing around when you're getting your ass kicked. And then yeah. you know my file. My last two years, I had you know like sick injuries, so I, I wasn't. Uh, I usually wasn't very happy uh, my last couple of years.
1: How was it playing through a lot of that? And you know, it had to have been super freaking frustrating just it, going through that. What What was it like with the trials and tribulations of of having to overcome injury after injury?
0: Yeah, it was hard, man. It was. Um, it was hard. Um, the hard, the hard thing too is like your ego takes over sometimes and, and, and for me like I would try to come back before I was ready and you know I ended up fucking myself up again and you know I just get frustrated and you know my second year I you know was was one of the tops in the NFL in tackles and then my you know third year I'm I've got you know three fucking surgeries and I'm not playing until week whatever seven or something um, mm. so it's just yeah it's it was very frustrating, um, and it was hard, and it's and it's lonely. It it really is. Um, but you know, people go through a lot worse shit, you know, for a lot less money. So it's just you know, sometimes you got to cowboy up and and deal with it.
1: Well, that's the Iowa mindset, though, man. That's you know you just gotta <laughs> gotta power through and work through it, and that's one of the reasons why Hawkeye fans freaking love you, man. You just you're a tough son of a gun, You just push through and keep working. Another tough son of a gun, uh, Brett Greenwood, a guy that you're very close with. Um, that moment in 2015 when you and Coach Doyle walked him out onto the field—I mean, I don't—I I was a blubbering mess and I had goosebumps. It was so badass. That was awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about your relationship with Brent and, and being able to do that, uh, walk, to walk him out on the field and and how he felt and how you felt doing that?
0: Yeah, I mean that's um, you know, so so Brent, I went to Brent went to Pleasant Valley, and better from PVR, like like rivals, like we always well, we're born like hating each other. So uh, you know, I grew up competing with Brent. He was always a year younger with me, but he's always you know good enough to where you know he was playing up. Um, so we'd always be like, God, damn, Greenwood kid, I'm like, fuck, you know? And uh, um, he was a stud. He was just, he would, did everything right always. And, um, you know, he got to Iowa as a walk-on, became a four-year starter. I got to Iowa, was on scholarship and only started for like, you know, one and a half years, pretty much, you know? Um, so like, he, he like the epitome of like Iowa football and like what I think of when I think of like what Iowa football means, like it's Brett. Like not a fucking doubt. Overachiever, hard worker, tough as shit. Like just like just your your perfect I walk I. Um so obviously, you know, when when this stuff happened it was it was fucking terrible. It was it was absolutely terrible. And um and you know, I got done playing and I got a call from uh his physical therapist, Matt Rokes, and, and Matt said, Hey, you know, can you come to come to therapy and help out? You know, Brett's kinda have well, these brilliant to him, so Brett was giving a bunch of shit. Brett yelled at this PT for like, like three months uh, to try cause, so Brett was giving him True. some shit. So he, so he needed me to come in and and kind of lighten the mood a little because Brett was frustrated, you know. And you know he's got this this new guy that's coming in and no relationship to him that's trying to you know tell him to do stuff. And um, you know Brett Brett was frustrated as like anybody could have been. Uh, um, so we got there and we you know. It was it was a little it was you know short increments little improvements every day and um, then we were able to you know go up and do some stuff with Doyle and continue to improve and continue to improve and and Doyle you know he was the one that was like hey um, let's have him walk out um, let's have him walk out in front of the team again and, and at that time like, we had never really walked um, with a walker probably more than 20 years old so yard. It wasn't like that. Like we had to really like think about the yardage because that was a really hard um, thing because we had never done that before. So we worked and we worked and Brett freaking just killed it, just worked his freaking ass off. You know, we'd go up to Iowa and we'd practice. And, um, and when it happened, like it was just, it was the best. You know, I never thought that my favorite moment in Kinnick would be when I was done playing, but it was. And what really got me was the, you know, the, the, the players behind us screaming and cheering them on. Like it was, it was, um, it was the best, man. It was, it was the absolute best.
1: It's like something you'd see in the movies. I mean, it was amazing to see. And, you know, I, I got goosebumps just talking about it now. And it just for me to even be able to watch it and us fans to be able to see it and, you know, you were able to be there and be a part of it with them. That was, awesome if anybody thinks that they got it rough you know take a look at what he had to go through and being able to walk out onto the field and do that and that was just such a great message to the team and to you know everybody just to take a look mm-hmm. at him and look what he's pushed through and um, I think everybody wishes that they had a friend like you were to him like how you how you were there for him and help push him and that that's pretty awesome how you were there for him and that's what being a good friend's all about so that's that's well, pretty freaking cool know. man
0: if you're not there for a teammate, you know, during something like this and everything we fucking preached and we we're playing is bullshit. So, um, that's what you do.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, that's great. And a lot of people will say that they'll do something like that, but when it comes down to it, will they, you know, you did. Mm-hmm. So th- that that's pretty awesome. Um, I, I, I feel like I need to get something like this out of you because you, have been one of the most entertaining charismatic fun to watch Iowa football players ever you're still a fan favorite fans still talk about you and I mean you got the most badass last name on the planet so you (laughs) had to like know coming out of the womb you're gonna kick some ass one way or the other any cool like practice locker room from Iowa stories that average Joe fan isn't privy to that they're gonna be like I heard Pat Anger on Nebraska Hawks Nest tell this story, and that was <laughs> effing wild. That was awesome. You know there is something. There is no rating on this. You can uh, say whatever uh, guy you want. Pat, come on, man. Honestly, I that I don't Tito's know. is I mean, supposed to lower your inhibitions. Come on.
0: You got me in a bad spot too because I've been, you know, I've been uh, babysitting three kids for for a couple of days, and um, honestly, I can't really think of anything super exciting, man. You know, like we we worked hard. We made fun of each other. We fucking, you know, drank some beers and, um, you know, had a good time and, you know, one more game we lost. I mean, that was, um, yeah, I can't really think of anything, um, that's, um, (laughs) that wouldn't get me in trouble.
1: Yeah, hey, okay. We don't want you to get in trouble. So, um, if there's anything like later, you're like, "Hey, Adam, like I thought of something that uh, if had, we'll, we'll do." If a- I
0: had some more potatoes. Maybe
1: that's what I said. Pound that, pound that, drink, and we'll talk a little <laughs> bit more. <laughs> that's that's my drink of choice too. So that's why I, I, that's one reason why I know you're a good dude. Um, so uh, tell us a little bit about too, Like you said, um, the kids and the family. You guys are living in the Quad Cities right now. Um, is that right?
0: correct yeah yep
1: are you guys in bet davenport or bettendorf or
0: uh we're we're in davenport but we're across the street here in bettendorf so my kids go to bettendorf um they shit they might end up going to north scott north scott's badass now i don't know Uh, um but uh we uh no yeah though my kids go to bettendorf uh live in bettendorf yeah right so right now so my kids, my boys, they're 9 and 6. They do um you know, they do baseball and basketball and wrestling and um all football and all stuff. So right now we're we're gearing up for baseball season and and youth baseball is the most insane fucking thing in the world. I don't know if the, how much you know about youth baseball, but it's it's fucking nuts.
1: The people take what that happened?
0: seriously. Yeah, it's it's nuts, man. Youth baseball is
1: nuts. Well, I, I have a feeling you can match their intensity if you, if need be, so not going to be a I whole just, lot of problems. I, I,
0: I don't know. I can't find a care. I, I just don't care about nine-year-old baseball as much as I probably should. I don't know.
1: <laughs> uh, they always say that a lot of people that weren't able to achieve their athletic goals uh, deflect that onto their children, and then that's when you start to see a little bit of that ugliness in uh, in some of the parents, but you know, you got to remember at the end of the day, they're just there to have fun and build memories. And obviously you want your kid to do great and kill it, but, you know, you don't want to be that parent that's freaking out and making it about you.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And that's, you know, and that's a, that's a, that's a hard line as a parent um, is you want them to have fun. You know, you want them to, you know, not stress out about it, but then you also want them to have success and and work hard and, and get better. And that, that line, like that's a hard fucking line. And, you know, I look back at like my parents and they didn't really ever push me in like anything, like nothing like ever. Um, And I look back and I'm like, God damn, I wish they would have, <laughs> you know, but then I would, I would, I have ta- I probably would have taken it like You know, I probably would have been like, I don't know, not taking it as well. So it's that line as far as to push your kids or that, that's a, that's a tough line. And I guess, yeah. you know, and all your kids are different. I mean, do you, how many kids do you got? I have three. Three no, three three's a yeah,
1: three's enough, isn't it? Say that again.
0: Three three's enough, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I'm done. I, I can't <laughs> handle any more than three. I yeah, feel like threes. once you go from once you go from two to three, it's like holy shit, like you're outnumbered yeah. and like you're overwhelmed. If you go to four, and I have a feeling for the way you're talking, the wife's asking wanting to do number four. I know no, I
0: got everything. I got everything cut off. I wish I would have got it cut off in high school. I'd have so much money. Um <laughs> but <laughs> no, everything's all cut off down there. Um but yeah, it's a yeah, three's uh three's uh three's a lot. Three's a lot for sure.
1: Yeah. Do your, your yeah, kids do boards? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they um you know my oldest son is more academically inclined and focused on that and runs runs cross country. Yeah, well, yeah, smarter than I was. I, and then my, my daughter, volleyball, softball, she's the very athletic one. And then our youngest, he's a tank, uh, got a future offensive lineman. He's just nice. built with a lot built with a lot of beef, and he's a huge Hawkeye fan. So we're hoping Good someday man. he's going to be able to open some holes on the line for the Hawkeyes. Good man. Good man.
0: That's um, awesome.
1: Dur- during your playing career, the one thing I was really wanting to know too is, Name, like, if you can name one or two guys that you went against, whether it be in the NFL or in college, where you're like, that guy is a badass. Like, what a machine that when either you went up against him or you saw him play, you're like, that is a different level than I've ever experienced before.
0: Well, I mean, like, you know, even guys that I, you know, looking at guys that I played with, uh, maybe, uh, you know, Robert Mathis. Like, that dude's fucking a beast. And, you know, Dwight Green as well. Um, oh God, who was that fullback? And, uh, was it Vante Leach? Was Leach the fullback with Houston?
1: I can't remember.
0: Vontae's, I think, I think it might've been Leach or Veach. I don't know, but he was a badass fullback, but you know, the, the hardest person I've tackled that I, and this is this was like towards the end of his career. Um, I tackled Ricky Williams and he didn't even like see me. I guess I didn't tackle him. But I, he was running. and He didn't even see me. And I went and I dove and it was like, I hit a brick wall. Like, and I just <laughs> fell completely off him. It was like, I wasn't even, I didn't even, and I, and I was running full season and I hit him pretty much as hard as I could. And he didn't even move at all. Like it was just like, and that and then I was like man I, I'm fucking terrible I don't know why I'm here but don't I was really surprised by that like I was not expecting Rick Williams to be that like like hit of goddamn brick wall
1: I don't know if you've ever seen the I think it was like the ESPN thirty for thirty about him, but I mean I know you know he really struggled with some mental health issues, but that guy is very very interesting I' was just stepping away from football for two or three years mm. and just you know I he I, he moved out to some tropical area and enrolled in a community college and built, like, a little cabin in the jungle and just kind of, like, wanted to be alone and wanted to be left alone because he had such severe anxiety and depression issues. And he's a pretty complex guy uh, when mm-hmm. you sit down and watch that. So it, it was pretty interesting, so – not to dig too deep on Ricky Williams, that's a that's a random topic. But I never would have guessed that you would have said I would have said him at all. What about in the Iowa locker room? Was there a guy in the weight room or in practice where you're like, "That guy's a bad ass," like that brought it every single day? Other than Pat Anger,
0: <laughs> I wish I I should have brought it more. Um, the uh, the first I ever saw when I got on campus was was Etor, um, and you know, I campus. I, yeah, I, I see. Biggie, and I'm like, fuck, like I got no chance here. Like this, he's the biggest guy I ever seen in my life. Like huge. But then like the nicest, smartest guy you'll you'll ever meet. Um, you know, the guys that you would think of as far as you know, Carl Klug, like the like just a complete psychopath. Um and Mike Daniels, also another psychopath. Um, just physical freak. Um Uh, Christian Ballard, that dude, you know, he was faster than me and he was like 300 pounds. Um, I mean, we had some freaking, you know, Sean, you know, pretty much the guys you'd think of. Um, just, uh, yeah, we had it, we had a pretty solid group.
1: Uh, before we let you go, I just wanted to ask you too, what, uh, what was your relationship like with coach Ferentz during your time there? Um, how was it playing for him? And, And do you have much of a much contact anymore at this point?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, it It was great. You know, obviously, you know, when the head coach really doesn't, I guess, you know, from my experience, the head coaches pretty much just, you know, they over, they oversee everything and, you know, they address the team and all that stuff. So you don't really have like a, a huge personal, um, you know, relationship with them when you're, when you're playing. Um, but as far as like personal, I mean, like the one-on-one day-to-day stuff. Um, but it was, you know, it was great playing for him. It was pretty awesome. Was a, you know, a great leader, um, good person. Um, yeah, I mean, he just, uh, yeah, it was, it, it was, it was, it was nice playing with him. I mean, I, I spent more time, uh, you know, with coach Doyle and, and coach Wilson and coach Parker, you know, and people on the defense. Um, but you know, as far as contact, not, not as, not as much, uh, talked to him, you know, a couple months ago on the phone. Um, you know, he's busy. He's a busy dude. Uh, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll call him on occasion, um, but not, uh. Not a lot. I mean, he's he doesn't need to waste time talking about dumbass. He's uh, he's got other shit that he's got to do.
1: Dude, you're too humble, man. Um, well, I know you're on vacation with the family, so we're not going to keep you any longer, but um, I want to let you go enjoy that delicious glass of Tito's. I'm going to be uh, pouring myself one later as well. And uh Amen. just wanted, wanted to say that, you know, we're happy to see you doing, doing well. Great to see you, you know, with the family, everyone's healthy and thriving and doing great in the Quad Cities. And uh, just really wanted to let you know that all of us just freaking loved your time at Iowa uh, when you were out there on the field and watching you play for the Colts. It was just, it was a pleasure to watch you play, man.
0: Hey, I appreciate it. And I appreciate you taking the time to, to talk to me and I know it took like 45 minutes for my dumb ass to figure out uh, how to get on, but hopefully this means that by the time I get back in, my wife's got all the kids asleep. Uh, so there I can you pour a glass of Tito's. Hell yeah, we, might, we might've, we might've planned it up just perfectly.
1: All right. Well, that's good. I'm glad I could be of help somewhat today. So, all right, man. <laughs> hey, man, man the- you, you,
0: you got my number. So if you ever you guys ever need anything, don't hesitate to reach out, man.
1: Okay. Awesome, Pat. Hey, have a great vacation and well, hopefully we'll get to talk soon. And we always end it with a go Hawks.
0: Hey, go Hawks.